You know, most summers, my family, uh, we love to go up to the mountains of North Carolina, and we love to camp, and we're just kind of low-key campers. We like to camp like, yes, in a tent, right, with a campfire. I'm not throwing shame on anybody who uses the camper or the cabin. We've done that too, but uh, we just like uh, not spending a lot of money. So that's, that's why we do that. And so but we look, love to go camping, um, but it's one great thing about going camping is the altitude there is so much higher than here. Do you remember summer in Wilmington? Like we thought, man, it hit 70 last week. It's so hot. No, remember, do you remember July? And there's that moment where you walk outside and you're just like, and no matter how hard you try not to say it, what do you say? It's hot. You're like, oh, I said it. Oops. You can't just involuntarily, it's hot. And like your sweat is sweating. It's just, it's nasty. So we love to go up to the mountains. And one of the things we like to do up there also because it's inexpensive, but it's a ton of fun is tubing down a mountain creek. Have you ever done that? If you haven't done that, you got, you got to do this. I recommend the Deep Creek Tubing Center in Bryson City, North Carolina. That's where we like to go. Um, but you rent a big tube, big yellow tube is what they got. They might be orange, I don't know. And you kind of, you hike up a little trail a ways, kind of up the hill of the mountain. You plop the tube in the water, and it's, it's so simple. There's no instructions. You just, bam, you lay on this thing. And if you thought the Lazy River at your hotel was cool, like I ain't got nothing on this because you are just floating down God's green earth creation, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And it's an adventure, and you see a lot of things. So you're floating downhill, and I, I love the different things that we've seen. We've seen wildlife. We've seen some cool animals. We've seen some cool birds. We've seen some cool trees. Uh, and so, yes, snakes. We've seen snakes. They live there. It's their house. They're more scared of you than you are of them. And that's funny. When you say that, people are like, um, no, that's not true. I, would, I want to chop its head off. Um, but no, they're just doing their thing. Uh, I love coming across people. Uh, when you pa- if you pass someone while tubing, it means one thing. They're stuck. And it's fun to watch that. You're just like, oh, sorry. Maybe this is the wrong activity for you. Um, and that's fun. And, and you get down. And I love it. And it's refreshing. It's cool. But the coolest part about the tubing is the adventure. And because you rent the tubes a lot of times for the whole day, you can do it several times. You know, you can go back and no two trips are alike. And it's just this journey, this adventure. I tell that story because I want to kind of put a placeholder in your mind for this imagery of what I think we as people can get to with God. Okay, so place that image of just tubing down the mountain stream in your mind. We're in week three of this teaching series, Chain Reaction. And it's all about living out the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commission is something that Jesus says to his followers in Matthew chapter 28. In week one, we read it. It was uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And in summary, Jesus basically says, I want you to go into the world, and I want you to help people to follow me, and I want you to baptize them in my name, and I want you to teach them to obey all the things I've commanded you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there with you until the end of the age. And so this is this big rally cry Jesus sends out to his followers, go and make disciples. And it's the mission of the church to invite people to be on journey with God, to shine light into their lives and help them find it for themselves. So in week one of Chain Reaction, we we talked about this concept of the lead domino. You remember you were kids, you set up dominoes and set them up, you knock them down, right? That's the game. It's tons of fun. But the game wouldn't be much fun if you never knocked over the first domino, would it? That first domino is pivotal. And in any chain reaction, in any habit change, or in any uh, big uh, shift of mindset, there has to be a lead domino, something that gets the process started. We talked in that first week that there is someone who started the process with you because you were here that day or you're here this day, someone. And it might be that the lead domino for you happened like late last night and you were hanging out and someone was like, listen, you should come to church with me tomorrow. And we've had that totally. And people come in like, I don't know what church is all about. I don't really know about Christianity, but you're in the process. You know, someone has invested in you. 
That is the goal of a Christian, to invest in other people's lives so that they would know the light of Jesus, embrace it for their own, find love and salvation in him, and be able to live that fullness. And then, it's not complete, until they begin going out and shining light on their own and reflecting the light of Jesus. That is the role of the church. That is the role of Christianity. And it's so easy to just become a consumer of the church. And I show up on Sunday morning, and really, this is here for me. I had a bad week, so I really needed a place to unload. And just so you know, that's cool. That's great. We're community. We're family. We want to do that. But we kind of take this thing on as a consumer, and we're like, really, if anyone needs to know about Jesus, probably that's why we have a preacher, right? Or that's why we have children's classes, right? So my goal is just to funnel people into a Sunday morning service and help them just get to someone else who can lead them. But that's not the mission that Jesus gave us. His mission was that we would each become like missionaries in the world we live in and talk to people on our own, investing in their lives, sharing meals together, laughing and crying together, going to our kids' ball games together, watching movies together, making huge mistakes together. This is life. This is the kingdom of God. And that's how the chain reaction continues. And it's been going strong for over 2,000 years. And it's still powerful. That's the lead domino. This week we'll step into, uh, I want to kind of pick up right where we left off at the lead domino. And I want to pick up at kind of what I think is kind of maybe a step two or a phase two of this chain reaction process. And we're going to find it by introducing ourselves to a guy from the New Testament of the Bible named Timothy. Uh, maybe you've met Timothy. If you've got a Bible, grab your Bible. We'll also have scripture on the screen behind me. Uh, Timothy um, is, is one of the rare people in the world whose name is the title of a book of the Bible. That's pretty awesome. He actually got two. Uh, they were real creative. First Timothy, and then there was second Timothy. So they, I guess they came out in that order, you know, that kind of thing. And as you look at Timothy's story, we learn a lot about this chain reaction. Well, we're going to just jump in, and then we'll kind of do some background on who Timothy is. But I want to tell you this before we get started, okay? There was a guy named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul planted and started the majority of the churches in the very first days of the church, around the Mediterranean region. He also was someone who's writing letters to these church leaders to help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. And along the way, Paul meets this guy, Timothy, as a young man. And he begins to invest in him and invites him along uh, to, to start churches with him. And this letter, 1st and 2nd Timothy, we'll be in 2nd Timothy today. These letters were personal letters written from Paul to Timothy. And they have a really personal feel to them. So we're going to just start out and uh, we're going to start in verse 3, 2nd Timothy, chapter 1, verse 3. And just start this kind of personal conversation between Paul and Timothy. Paul starts out talking. He says, man, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. With a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. As personal. Timothy, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Verse 4. I recall the tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And he just remembers these, this must have been this tender moment when Timothy was sad for being away from home or what. I don't know. It's personal. Verse 5. But I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives also in you. Okay, that's how we kick off the book of 2 Timothy. And that's how we kind of meet Timothy. Uh, uh, let's get into a little bit of background on this thing. Like I said, this letter was a personal letter from Paul to Timothy. And it's a letter of teaching. But it also has this really personal feel to it. And there's a couple places in the Bible where Paul speaks of people like Timothy and actually specifically to Timothy. And he says things like, I feel like I'm a spiritual father to you. Or I feel like you're like a spiritual son of mine. In many ways, Paul was a father figure 
to Timothy. And so there goes that personal feel. You, you can feel that in, as you continue to read the letter. The first time we meet Timothy, uh, Paul is on a journey in an area called Lystra. It's a little city, and he's up in, in this, this missionary journey. He's on us. He's kind of spreading the, the word about Jesus. And he meets Timothy as a young man. And the way that he's uh, introduced is Acts chapter 16, if you ever want to go look it up. But basically, we're introduced to Timothy in Acts chapter 16 as basically a young man whose mother was a Jew and whose father was a Greek. And so religiously, he kind of had a, a split home. And his mother had been investing in him and had been teaching him the stories of the Old Testament and the Jewish nation and stuff like that. Well, Paul meets Timothy and he goes, man, I really like this kid. He was so impressed by him that he invited Timothy to join him on his journeys. And then a lot happens for Timothy. Uh, Timothy, um, man, he, he begins traveling around with Paul. He goes on these missionary journeys. He helps to establish churches. He eventually becomes the pastor of a couple of churches, most notably the church at Ephesus. Uh, there's a book of the Bible called Ephesians. It was written to the church at Ephesus. And a lot of people would call the city of Ephesus like the Las Vegas of the ancient world. This was kind of like, you know, what happens in Ephesus stays in Ephesus. Like this was, there was bad stuff going down there. But Timothy becomes involved in this church, leading people who are very far from God into a relationship with him. And so Timothy really gets the idea of kind of what we try to do, church for people who don't like church, or this idea of being like, we want you to know God is available to anyone who's willing to listen. And that's where Timothy lands. And he serves there for a long time. Timothy had a lot of really good lead dominoes in his life. His grandmother, Lois, his mother, Eunice, the apostle Paul, come on. Like, that's a really good mentor. If you could get one, uh, that's top shelf And he travels with Paul and he learns and he grows and he grows and becomes this pastor in a really influential church in a very dark city. So as Paul opens this letter, he's blown away by how far Timothy has come. And he just says, man, I just see how sincere your faith is. I almost read between the lines and and, and have you done this with your kid or maybe your dad did this with you or maybe somebody you looked up to said, I'm just proud of you, buddy. (laughs) Good job. Good work. We're going to dig into Timothy a little bit more in a second, but I just want to, this is kind of like a side lesson, okay? Can we just step aside? Because there's a a thing here that just keeps racking in my brain, and I feel like it needs to come out. Timothy grew up to do some amazing things. Uh, He he ends up being mentioned in all but three of the books of the Bible that Paul wrote. Uh, He he is listed as a co-author as some of those books (laughs) that his name is in. He ends up being a pastor of a couple of big churches, he, uh, major for churches. He, he ends up planting churches in areas that were unreached. He does some major things. But it didn't start there for him. Do you remember who the very original lead dominoes were for Timothy's faith journey? His grandmother and his mom. I think a very good case could be made that one day there will be millions of untold Christians, believers, in, in heaven because of the foundation that Timothy laid in the very early church. I imagine there being a really long reception line where Timothy's just shaking hands with people and they're going, Timothy, I just want to tell you, thanks, thanks, thanks. But guess who got him started on his journey? A grandmother and a mother who took time to tell the stories of God. And so this is the side that I want to say real quick is moms, dads, if you're a babysitter, If you've got a a next-door neighbor with kids that you invest in, that you love those kids, you're a teacher. If you work with children, if you have the opportunity to love on children, never underestimate the power of the influence you have on their lives when they're young. 
Did you know that the average uh, person who comes to believe in Jesus makes that choice before they're 12 years old? It's, it's, it's more and more infrequent the older you get. Before you're 12 years old. We've got these champions, these heroes down the hallway with some of our kids right now. And they're teaching our kids the love of Jesus. And they're planting seeds in them that will grow fruit into eternity. We've got to invest in these kids. We said at our church all the time, hashtag kids matter. And it's because, man, they are, they, they are the present and they are the future of our world. And you never know that when you invest in a kid, you might be investing in the next Timothy. Someone's going to make a difference on a global scale and an eternal scale. So that's my, that's my step aside. Let's do that together, guys. It's important. But back to Timothy. In this personal letter from Paul to Timothy, we already know that Timothy has some great mentors. Uh, but in verse 6, we learn about a crucial part of what God does for us. And it's kind of this, this second step in this uh, chain reaction. So that if the first step was like, be a lead domino. This second step is something I think a lot of us hit along the way. And I don't care where you are in your faith journey today. This might be your first time here. It might be you've been in church for like 50 years. This next little segment that Paul writes to Timothy is huge for all of us. And so let's just check it out. This is this kind of next big step. Uh, Verse six. So Paul says this, for this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us did not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I told you I love camping, and uh, one of my favorite moments when camping is the mornings when I can get up real early, and everybody else is still asleep, and maybe we've stayed up late the night before sitting around the campfire, and, uh, and I get out, and, and, it's, and nobody else is up, and I walk over to the fire, and it's, it's dead. I mean, it's, it's gone out a long time ago, but you put your hand down there, have you done this, and you still feel this kind of warm? This is like the coolest magic ever. Like if you want to get some major dad magic credit, um, you can do this and show your kids. I've done it every time. They're like, he's amazing. If you rake together those little warm coals, you take like some balled up paper and put it on top or some little bitty twigs and you put them on top, kind of lean down, you just kind of blow on it. In just a second, what happens? Fire. All the potential for fire was right there in those coals. It just needed a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of oxygen. Timothy knows God's love. He's already done some amazing things for God. He's got some sincere faith. He's been taught by his mother and his grandmother. He spent time with Paul, the greatest missionary of all time. But the biggest thing that God put in his life was a gift. And it's the gift that Paul talks about, the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. You remember, um, this is God's presence in our life. We've talked about it several times over the last several weeks. God, when you come to, to God and you say, I want to give my life to you, I want to serve Jesus, uh, it, we, we learned I want a really cool passage in the book of Acts chapter 2. It says that when we give our lives to Jesus and we submit to him and we're baptized, it says you will be given forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's God's presence in our life, directly interacting with our soul. And uh, so often in the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God is portrayed as fire. I mean, several different stories. And it's like, this is kind of a good metaphor or image of what the Holy Spirit might look like if we could see him. And so there's this fire. And so I think it's cool that Paul uses fire here as well. So it's no surprise that he talks about fanning into flame. And so basically Paul's telling Timothy, bro, you've been given a gift, the power of God in your life, but don't just let it lay there like a, like a warm coal. Fan that thing into flame because God is not done with you yet. You read the accolades of all the things that that Timothy has accomplished in his life and still Paul is like, no, but it's not over yet. Keep fanning into flame the gift that God has given you. So much of our lives is spent looking for 
power. Power. And I, and, and I think, you know, it might kind of go against the grain for us to say, I, I'm not looking for power. I'm not trying to be fun. No, no, it begins at a very, very young age. It starts when you're like six months old or, or maybe younger. Have you, have you ever sat across uh, from a six-month-old in a high chair? Okay, I mean, this is a, this is a power struggle right here, this moment. Okay, and they, and they develop this game. I think they communicate through, I don't know, telepathically or somehow, and they, they all know this game. You've played this game if you've ever sat across the, the tray. All right, this is what they do. They look at you dead in your eyes, cold. Like, it, there's, there's something in there that's missing. And they look at you, and they grab their spoon, and they hold it out over the edge of the tray, and they drop it. And then what do they do? They look down at the spoon, look at you, and they're like, pick it up. And what do you do? You pick it up. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll pick up that spoon. And they're like, clink, pick it up. And what do you do? You pick it up. And at this point, you're like, I'm not sure who's in control here. I have no idea. Like, I've, lo- I've lost control. This child is running me right now. We start with those little bitty moments. We're trying to find something we can have control over. And it grows when we get our action figures and our toys and our baby dolls. And we want to control them and give them lives to live. And then we play games with our friends that we want to dominate and win. Because we've got to have control. And then we go to school and we have this competition for something, everything. Everything's a competition. And we grow up and we get jobs and we have money so we can have bigger and better stuff. Because we want to have control. We want to be in charge. So, don't we quest for control? But then this thing happens as we hit a certain age. Sometimes it's about 10th grade. Uh, sometimes it's a little older. I think in 10th grade, the first time we realized this is when, uh, guys, we realized this. We're, we're just like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm the man. I got this. And then we see this little girl walk by. And we're like, I'm weak. <laughs> I'm helpless. We hit, this is the realization we hit. There's always something more powerful. There's always something else that no matter how controlled we feel, it can take us over. And it doesn't take long for us to realize that as these powerful things come in, they can control our lives. And so we become slaves to our money and our jobs and our hobbies and even some hurtful things. We become slaves to our our, our brokenness and our addiction. And so then we have to find somewhere to balance that. And you you know where that sweet spot is where, where we find that balance? It's in faith. And so we start putting faith in things. This is not about God or Christianity. This is faith. We put faith in lots of things. But you know what? I got my retirement fund, so I'm good. I got this job security, so I'm good. I've got this position in the community, so I'm good. We put faith in things. And yes, God knows that about us, and so that's why faith is part of the journey with us. Because he's like, listen, what you need to do is you need to realize that you don't have the power. You don't have the control. Put your faith in me. Because I do. And I can. And I will help you overcome these things. God says, I have power like you could never imagine. There is nothing that I cannot control. And when you give your life to me, I'll be there with you through that. So it gives us his spirit inside of us. And it's there and it's just simmering like a hot coal. And he's, have, you, have you read the descriptions, the titles of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? I want to share a couple of them with you. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. You ever been in a power struggle and you just needed a comforter? He's called the advocate. Sometimes I can't just speak for myself, but man, God's spirit is there. Like, I got you. He's called the helper. The guide. Oh, goodness. This is helpful. He's called the teacher. He's called an interceder. Like, he'll stand in the gap for us. These are descriptions of what God's Holy Spirit does in our life. And so, when we learn about Jesus, so often we get excited about him and we're like, we're, that's the phrase we use, we're on fire. 
But then this thing happens. We're like, oh, I'm struggling. Like, this is not easy. This is not easy. Like, just turning my life over to God, is, it's, it's hard. We struggle through sin and temptation and habits and selfishness and our past fears and our future fears. And then these things, these creep in and we realize, I'm not strong enough. And we say, God, where are you? I'm crying out to you. Will you help me? If you'll do this one thing, I'll serve you forever. I'll clean up my language. I'll stop this habit, whatever, whatever. And Paul tells Timothy, fan into flame the gift which God has given you. Let's look again at the verse. It says in verse seven, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. We don't have to cower. We don't have to hide in the closet. We don't have to get under the bed or under the covers. It does not make us timid. It gives us power. The very thing we spend our whole life looking for. And God says, here, you can have some of mine. Love and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. That word power, it comes from a Greek word, uh, dunamis. Dunamis. Can everybody say dunamis? Let's do it. Go. Dunamis. Uh, We have an English word that comes directly from that word. The word is dynamite. (laughs) Power. That's the word in Greek for power. God's spirit in our lives gives us power. This immense power that God has. And Paul's telling Timothy, look, we want to keep this chain reaction going. We want people around the world to know the power and the love of God, but don't forget where the power comes from. Fan into flame. And the truth of us, when we begin to feel the weight of life, and and we totally forget the power of God, and we're like, I got to do this. I got to do this. This happens with our spiritual disciplines, reading our Bible and saying our prayers and those types of things. And I've had this conversation so many times. If I could just pray more, I think maybe, I think maybe if I could just pray more, I would just be able to get through it. If I could just read my Bible more time, if I could just come to church more often, those things are all helpful. But if it's about me doing something to get out of this, then we're missing the point. God says, I have the power. What I want you to do is plug into it. So what does that look like? I got a couple of things that would help. It, it is spending time during our day refocusing on God and talking to him through prayer, but not saying, look, I said seven prayers, so that should be good. No, it's like in this prayer, am I trying to have a conversation with almighty God who invites us to do that? It means, uh, it means uh, leaning into God's truth by reading our Bibles and, and listening to good Christian teaching and having conversations with people about uh, the love of God in our life. It means, it means removing the clutter from our life. Uh, have you ever tried to light a fire and just completely failed because you put way too much stuff on the fire? This is a common mistake. I work with Boy Scouts all the time, and one thing we really teach them is there's, there's three parts of fire. You've got the fuel, and, and you've got the heat, but you've got to have the oxygen. That's why Paul says, fan into flame. And, and what's interesting is sometimes we got so much junk cluttered in our lives and we're like, man, if I, could just do, if I could just do one more Bible study, if I could just do one more event with the church, if I could just, and then we pack all the other stuff in that's not even faith-based. And God's like, wow, you're so busy. If you make some room in there for me, I could do something with you. But you are packed too tight right now. God, let's just take a step back. Because I got a plan for you. I want to see the world come to my love. And I want you to do it with me. I want to partner with you to put the world back together. But what you need to do is make some room. Fan to flame the gift that is in you. So if you're in Christ this morning, if you have chosen to live for him, if you put your faith in him, if you've uh, submitted to him in Christian baptism, if, you, if you're, like, you're like, I'm it, I'm done this. You have this burning coal of God's power in your life. Let's use it. As a church, let's use it. Let's not be afraid, afraid of talking about the Holy Spirit because man, it hurts some, some people. They get talking about the Holy Spirit and people get crazy. People do crazy stuff. I don't understand. They do stuff at church on Sunday morning. I don't understand. You know, that's them. That's fine. That's great. But you know what? The God's Holy Spirit is, is real. 
And it changes lives. It is the power that causes healing. It is the power that brings forgiveness into our life. It's the power that gives us the ability to overcome things in our life. And it is the power that will take that friend of yours who is so far from God and will not come to church with you guys. Let's not fool ourselves. They don't want to be here next week. But you know what they want? They want the power to overcome the hurt and the brokenness in their life. And you know where they can see it? When they see it just burning in you. And when you come into their life, you're like, let me just invest in you. Let me spend time with you. That's where the chain reaction grows and continues. Go back to our verse, verse 7. It says, the power that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. And there's these two other words that we're going to look at much more quickly. But he says, it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This is cool, because this love and self-discipline piece, if we can manage these two, life is a lot easier. I don't know about you guys, but loving God and loving people that's hard. <laughs> it's very difficult. It's difficult to love God like we think we should. It's difficult to love people like we think we should because people are jerks and God is hard to understand. So I'm just like, you know what? When we fan to flame the power of God in our life, he says, I will help you with love. You can learn from me. And you don't have to do it perfectly. Do the best you can because you're trusting in my power. You can love. Self-discipline. This is the second one in that little list. It's hard. <laughs> I mean, man, like, uh, self-discipline is probably like the hardest thing that there is. Isn't it, really, isn't it really impressive to watch Olympic athletes? Like, wow, yeah. You know, like, I could do that. No, you couldn't. Because you can't remember to get up and, and go jogging in the morning. Like, it's really hard to discipline yourself to do things that aren't naturally coming to you. And one thing that's not always natural to us is to live the way God wants us to live. And you know what God says? You fan to flame the power that is in my spirit. I will teach you self-discipline. And the good thing is I'll give you grace because you're not going to get it perfect. But I want you to continue to fan this flame because as you learn self-discipline, all those other pieces of your life will start to come together and people see that. Do you want to model your life under someone that is a train wreck or someone that seems like they have it put together? God says, I can put it together for you. Power, love, self-discipline. Paul teaches Timothy so many great things in this book. And you can keep reading. I encourage you to read some more. We're going to tap into it a little bit next week uh, as we, as we uh, talk about the ordination of our elders and stuff next week. But we'll get to those another day because the one lesson I want us to land on today is what it means to fan, to flame, the gift of God. God doesn't want us to remain still and unchanged in our maturity with him. He wants us to grow and impact the world around us. That's, that's the progress of the chain reaction. He wants us to make a difference in the world by proactively and deliberately being in people's lives. Being love agents, that's one thing we call it. And getting out there and doing the work of God. And I think there's kind of a double message for us in this. And, and, and it's neat because there always kind of is. Um, because I think in this room right now, we're on a spectrum of like, I think I'm doing what like God wants me to do in my life, and I'm pretty sure I'm not. Like we're, we're like somewhere there. And you might be like somewhere in the middle, like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. No matter where you are on that spectrum, this fan into flame thing is a beautiful thing. First of all, uh, you may be in a place right now where you need some help getting that flame in the first place. You're like, I don't know, man. I see people excited about God, and I'm just not. I'm not, and uh, it's really good for you guys. I was just here checking out, like, might be a cool club I want to join, but I'm not sure. Uh, and here's the thing. This is really cool. Um, are you interested in knowing the power of God in your life to heal your hurt, put back together your brokenness and make you whole and give you purpose and like more than you could ever have found at the college that you got your degree at or the, the job that gives you a title, like more than that. 
Are you interested in that? Because if you're interested in that and all, here's what I encourage you to do. Lean into that question. Just lean into it. What is it? I don't know. What does it mean? You know what we say all the time here? Just come back one more week. <laughs> we're just going to be talking about it just until we stop talking about it. We're just going to keep on talking about it every week. We're talking about what it means to live in the love of Jesus. Maybe it's you're at a place where you're like, yeah, I, I kind of think I do, but I'm not sure that I, I have the fire. I haven't like accepted Jesus as, as my Lord. Like what, That kind of seems old-fashioned and weird. I don't understand. What does that mean? I don't know if I could say I have become a Christian. I like Christians. And they're cool. That's a decision you have to make. It's like a moment. We talked several weeks ago about the, the decision to make our, our walk with God. Uh, uh, what did I say? Forever and I forgot the phrase. Do you remember? We talked about this week. Uh, official, official and forever. Thank you. Thanks for that, Aaron. <laughs> There's a moment we have to make our decision to follow Jesus official and forever. It's not like, I mean, imagine if, if you, you were just kind of with somebody and you're like, you know, we're, we're together. Guys, you might have been in a relationship like with that, like that, and the lady was like, "Well, if he would commit already, um, we could really have something here." God says, "I want you to make an official and forever commitment to me." He even gives us a ceremony for it. We have baptism. We have a chance every week to celebrate at communion what He's done for us. But if you haven't done that, like do that, because then that fire can start to grow and you can start to fan it. But you might be in another boat, and I think a lot of you are in this boat. We're like, you have the fire, and you, you get it, and you have days that are better than others, right? So, fan the flame. We've got a job to do. Our job is to not stay stagnant, but to do everything we can to grow in our faith and to bring other people to it. I want to show you two pictures that I think is going to help us see uh, what this chain reaction needs to look like. And I'm kind of, it's kind of a mixed metaphor. We've been talking about fire. We're going to switch over and talk about water now, okay? Because you can do that. I'm talking. i got a microphone. I'm going to do this. I'm going to show you two pictures. The first, the first picture is this. This is, this is a lake. It's beautiful. Um, hopefully you spent some time on a lake. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's God's country right there. It's beautiful. A lot of people envision the church like this lake, uh, and, and particularly their local church family. This is my church, and our goal is to kind of get everybody to come visit our lake. And some lakes grow, and some lakes kind of, they shrink, and, but it's great. I mean, we got to put the boat in right here at the dock, and we go out, and we, we jet ski, and we have fun time on the tube, and we have a little picnic by the dock, and we play in the lake, and it's great. And we start to set up camp around the lake, and we build our little lake houses, and it's awesome. And some lakes are prettier than others, <laughs> and you're like, man, I'm going to go to that lake over there. That's a cooler lake than the lake I'm in. And so we hop from lake to lake, and this is the lake analogy. And this is decent, because there's a lot of good things that could come out of this time we spend together at the lake. And this is what happens when we come and we say, my goal in my faith is to arrive somewhere and stay there. Say, just like I am in the moment I was when I arrived, and just stay there and have fun and live it up. Because I want to be a consumer of God's kingdom. I want to do what it is for me. But there's another picture I want to show you. This picture is a river. That thing's gnarly. Look at that river. It just goes on for miles. The same substance, water, but it's got a whole different flow to it. I told you the story about tubing with my family down the river for a reason, because when you ride down a river, no two rides are the same. And there's a whole adventure. And the point is not just to get wet and be in the water. The point is the journey. I see the church more like a river. And not the local church, but the church as the kingdom of God. Here's the reality. Every one of us, from the day we step into a local church family, and this is, this is sobering for me as a pastor to say out loud, but the more I've embraced it, the more I love it. From the moment someone steps into kind of the water of our local church, they're on their way out. They are. 
Uh, because either like you're going to get a job and move somewhere else or you're going to graduate or you're going to you know marry and move on or or you know there's something that's going to move you out you're not going to be here forever one day you're going to have your last day at church and then you're going to breathe your last breath and we're going to lay you to rest and so there's a moment at which you're not going to be in that river anymore you step in i hope that while you're in the river you can go on a journey if you're in the lake, if you've ever been to a lake and you got in, in a boat, you'll, you'll get in at a dock and you'll ride around the boat. And then where do you get out? The same place you got in. We can't be a people who are unchanged by the love of God. We can't be a people who just get in and we tool around in the water and we have fun for our own sake. But then when we get out, when we step out of that river, because we're all going to do it at some point, and we're unchanged. And God says, this is the beauty of the river. You can get in at any point. Some of you got started real early, and you're just floating around. It's great. Some of you are like up here. You're like, ah, oh, is there still room? Guess what? Yes. Jump in and enjoy the ride with God. And fanning into flame the gift of God in our life is about saying, I want to be on that journey, and I want to grow, and I want to invite other people to the party. Timothy's story continues, and it's pretty awesome. And when you get to chapter 2, Paul says uh, one more thing to Timothy. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the things you've heard me say, and I want you to tell those things to other people who will then tell them to other people. And I've heard that called three generations of discipleship. We need to be a people who makes it clear when we explain the love of God to someone that it doesn't end there. But now they have a job. And their job is to then shine the light to someone else. You can be a lead domino, and you can walk into someone else's life, and you can help fan their flame. And sometimes as a community, we can come together, and we can flam, fan one another's flames. That's worship night this week was, was kind of that. You know, let's just come together. Let's be encouraged, and then let's go out again. And we come back, and we regroup, and then we go out. And then I've got a moment in my life, and I've got to regroup, and I've got to, whoa, I'm dealing with this. But okay, and I'm going to go back out. Jesus is called the living water. It's a flowing river. It's a journey. It's an adventure. And it's not just about getting in the water and getting wet. It's about the journey of faith we go on as we continue the chain reaction for Jesus. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we love you. And I just thank you for the truth that comes from your word. It's so easy for us to just get tied up in, uh, uh, I don't know, the, the ceremony of church and the the attendance, and even like we're, you know, whatever, a modern church that meets in a movie theater and we're mobile, and so maybe we can even fall into this, this like lie that as long as we're working really hard on Sunday mornings that we're somehow doing better. Um, but God, you, you've called us to something bigger than Sunday morning services. You've called us to continuing a chain reaction that your son began. And so I pray for the people in this city right now who, who need your light, who need your love, who need your forgiveness, who need your grace. I pray, Lord, that we can be the lead domino in their life and walk in and, and, and not beat them in the head with a Bible or stand on a corner with a megaphone shouting at people, but instead, like, really be in their lives so they can see your light and, and open opportunities for us, Lord, to speak words of truth in love. God, you're good. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Paul. Uh, we thank you for Timothy. And I pray that from this church, there can be many like him who can go out make a difference. We love you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.